0: Well, up there, you should see there is a uh, diamond. And in my hand, I hold a diamond. I will give it right back to you. And the Geminological Institute of America gives four Cs. Men, you're probably familiar with this. Color, clarity, cut, and carat weight. I'd add one to that. A fifth C, cost, right? Cost, <laughs> I mean, the color, you go from yellow to white. The, the clarity, you, you that's where you get the little scope and you look into it to see if there's any blemishes on it. The carat weight, what is the weight that that your diamond is? You know that. And then the cut, and that's what you can see up there, and that's what I can see if I hold it at the right angle. You can see the light just shining through, and you can see all those facets. Do you remember this? Uh-huh. Yeah, the, he was not around, by the way, just, just so you know. And so there's many facets on that diamond, and, and you can't just look at one facet without seeing that it's connected to another facet, and all those facets come together to make this diamond, and they interact with the light, and each facet is integral to the others, and you cannot choose the diamond. I didn't go to Lyles de Grager in the World Trade Center in Dallas and talk to a guy named Scotty Polk and say, "I really like the the color of that. I like the carrot weight of that. Um, I like the clarity of that but but I like the cut, but I just don't like that one facet he would say well we're we're going to have to go get i almost said it Ben another another diamond we're, we're, we we're're we are we can not just take that facet off that diamond that that's all together." And in a similar way, the gospel can be compared to a diamond of truth with many facets, and it's one of a kind, and it's off the scales of the GIA, and just like an excellent cut diamond, the gospel's many facets cannot, uh, you can't say, well, I like this part of it, but I don't like that, let's cut it off. And so today, we're going to look at the beautiful gospel gem. As I read earlier in Acts 14, there are Five verses that show you the central theme to this chapter in verse three, it says, so they remain for a long time. Notice speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands in verse seven. And there they continued to preach the gospel verse 15 men. Why do you do these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And here's the key. And we bring you good news. And when they preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. And in 25, and when they had spoken the word in Perga. And so here is the speaking boldly for the Lord, the preaching of the gospel. We bring you good news. We preach the gospel. central theme of this chapter is the central theme of the entire Bible is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel was what is central. And so today we're going to look at different angles, facets, if you will. And let me give you the main point right up front with the division of the chapter. This shows you the gospel has many facets to have the good news. You have to have the bad news and with it comes other things. And so here it is. The gospel, number one, will bring division. It can be mistaken. It guarantees persecution. It strengthens the next generation. It flourishes by organization. It goes on mission and it exalts the sovereign. And so that is how the chapter, we're gonna break down the chapter first. We're gonna look at how the gospel, the good news will bring division. Um, If you haven't been paying attention to the news, then you're not aware that uh, we're in in a world where um, there are a lot of people who do not agree with the biblical standpoint, the gospel standpoint on certain issues. And in his book, Onward, Russell Moore, I just printed off the first chapter. He's got a lot of great quotes of which I'll read one here in a little bit. But his first one says, and it was It was a great insight. I grew up in the Bible Belt. And if you're from that part of the country, this makes sense to you. When he says the Bible Belt is about to collapse and he says, I say, let it fall. Let it fall because there's so many misnomers with, that come with the Bible about That people go to church. They show up on Sunday, not because they want to exalt the Lord in song. They want to hear from his word. They want to gather with his people and they want to love each other and reach out to the lost, but it's good business. Uh, Russell Moore says in his book that he had an atheist friend who came to him one day and he said, hey, hey, what's a good Southern Baptist church in this city? And, and Moore is kind of like, All those years I spent sharing the gospel with this guy, he's come to know the Lord and he's just going to, he's going to talk about how I said something that really stuck with him. And the guy says, oh no, I don't want any of that, but it's good for business. And so when he says the Bible belts collapsing, I say, let it fall. I agree with him. One hundred percent later on. He says in the book, the loss of the Bible belt may be bad news for America. But it is good news for the church. And what he means by this is the morality of our country may decline, but the purity of the church will shine. There will be no more just professing believers, people who just show up to church. We are being forced to take a stand. The gospel will bring division. You see that in that first paragraph in one through seven. You see the division in verse four, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And what had happened, you see it in verse two, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers, against the Christians. That sounds like the classic atheist professor to poison your mind against the truth. And notice the result of this so they remained a long time. Notice in two, there were these unbelieving Jews who were trying to poison the mind of the Gentiles and notice the connection, so they remained. The reason they remained is that they wanted to continue to teach the gospel boldly. Paul said it like this in 1 Timothy, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. There had come division. There were those who believed in the, that the Lord Jesus Christ had died on a cross, risen from the grave, was sitting at the right hand of God. He had ascended. The Spirit had come down. There were those who believed that, and there were those who did not. And if you'll notice, at the end of three, God was granting many signs and wonders by their hand, but the signs and wonders were not a silver bullet. Many people think if we would just pray more, more miracles would happen and then more people would be converted. Well, right here, early church, they have it right there. Jesus hadn't been gone that long, and he was doing many signs and wonders through their hand, but the people of the city were divided. And by God's grace and for his glory, I want to give you a great way to think about miracles. A couple years ago, we were in an elders meeting, and someone came in and they said, My hope is in God, but I pray for miracles. And I said, that's good theology. My hope is in God, but I pray for miracles, and we should. But here's the phrase I believe the Lord gave me this week. The heart will never believe the miracle until a miracle is done in the heart. The heart will never believe the signs and wonders that would go out because it takes a heart that's had a miracle happen to it to believe that miracle and so you see division in verse 5 when an attempt had been made by the Jews and, or by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them they learned of it and fled i love this there were no rambos for jesus paul you didn't see him put on a bandana and stand his ground He lived out what Jesus told him in Matthew 23. When they persecute in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And so Paul understood what Christ had taught there. They persecute you in one town, go to the next. He packed it up, he dusted off his feet, and he moved on. And so we come to our first uh, application here. If the gospel will bring division, you and I, according to the text, must speak it boldly, and we must speak it continually. We must stand strong and say, this is the truth. And when persecution comes, we must not make a big deal of it. We must move on and continually speak the gospel. It it will bring division, and in the next paragraph, you see it can be mistaken. You saw, or you heard as I read, Paul goes down to Lystra, and there's this man crippled from birth. He looks intently at him, and seeing that he had faith, literally to be, Um, saved or to be made well. This guy is sitting there and Paul saw it. You you all know this when you see someone and they're just eager. I see it when I'm sitting out here when those... I look out and I see someone just eager to receive the word. I could say, I see they have faith to want to understand. And that's what he sees here. And he looks at him and it, it, and he says in a loud voice, when he looked intently and he spoke loudly, that is if you were to go back and read some commentaries, that is the formula for Greek gods. It's no wonder when he says, stand on your feet. And the man begins walking, it's no wonder they thought they were gods. But what Paul is doing here, as we'll continue to show, is no different than what Peter did in Acts 3. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. He said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus of Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. It's almost the exact same miracle because Luke is trying to show us what went on in the life of Jesus. What went on in the life of Peter in Jerusalem is what's going on in the life of Paul and Barnabas to the rest of the world. It is the same thing. It is a consistent gospel. The same message is going out on mission. And you see in 11, when the crowd saw this, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down in likeness of men. They were polytheists. The gods, plural, have come down, and we may be thinking, "Well, yeah, that bring it into the 2015." I mean, we're not polytheists. I mean, are there really polytheists out there today? I would say yes, there are. One religion that carries even the name, the Church of the Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints doesn't believe in the Trinity. They believe in modalism. They're polytheists. Not even modalism. They're, they're polytheists. They believe that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are separate deities. They're polytheists. It's modern day, just like this. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit God, says the empty promises of money, sex, and power, these are the gods that people, that rule people. Just this week in our men's study, we looked at Jeroboam, how he set up false religion. And I said, this is. You take anything, this is the formula. You give them a place to go, you give a a purpose to go after, you give them priests, so to speak, and you have false religion, and we could walk through that here in America. Oh, well, there's no statue of Aphrodite, but I assure you, Women all over the country are still struggling with. And though we preach against it, it's always going to be a struggle. They're struggling with their beauty. Are they pretty enough? Are are they, quote, according to whatever standard, overweight? But if we're not careful, that God is still here. Then they called Barnabas Zeus. They called Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And they were... Mortified, they mourned, they literally tore their garments, they ran out and they said, men, we are but men, we are humans just like you. It's interesting if you think about this, the people wanted to worship something. They, they see this miracle happen and they, they say, let's start offering sacrifices. People are going to worship something. There are no neutral people in the world who say, I'm, I just don't worship something. Everybody worships something. And so Paul and Barnabas say, turn from these vain things, turn from this polytheism, and turn to the living God. And you will notice, now that he's outside of Jerusalem, what he appeals to. This living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, verse 16, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways yet he did not leave himself without a witness this is Romans 1 before Paul wrote Romans 1 for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness Paul When he is in Jerusalem, or not even in Jerusalem, when he's in a synagogue, he turns to the scripture. Paul, when he's with people who would never have even read the scripture, he says, you too have a witness. It's general revelation. It's common grace. God gives the goodness of rains and fruitful seasons, and notice what he ties it to, satisfying your hearts with gladness. Anybody that says God is an ogre and doesn't want people to be happy, they haven't read the Bible. God wants people to be happy, but he wants them to be happy in the right way. What's fascinating to me, remember last week we talked about, does the Bible astound you? What's fascinating to me is verse 18. Even with these words, they had laid out for them, come worship the living God. He's witnessed to you in creation and all the good that you have, but come worship him. Don't worship these other gods. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. Not only does the gospel, the gospel brings, will bring division. Not only that, it can be mistaken. Thus, you and I must not only speak it boldly and continually, we must speak it consistently and clearly. You thought I was just joking about when people got up here to do announcements, but I can now make reference to that. Speak clearly. We've got to speak clearly the gospel. The gospel cannot be muddled because we may be afraid that someone might not like us. You can sit down with any elder, any leader, any person in this church, and they may say and use their own um, style. But the presentation, the essence, if you were to take a poll of five different people who share the gospel here, the essence is this. There is a God who exists, and I sinned against him. Jesus Christ came, and he is the one who died for my sin. He went to the cross. He went to the grave. He is risen again, and he sits at the right hand of God, and I have trusted in him. It's nothing I can do on my own. That is the clear gospel. That is what we must speak boldly, continually, consistently. If you sat down with five different people in this congregation, do it, and we'll do an, ass, we'll do an assignment. And if you're not getting that, we're going we're to put a halt on Acts, and we're going to go back, and we're going to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. There is a God who exists, and mankind has turned. All of us have turned from him. And we all deserve, We all of us deserve hell. Even those of us who in our obedience by God's grace were restrained from doing some of the stuff that some of us did, we all deserve help. But Jesus Christ came and did what we could not do, died a death, we should have died. He died and rose again. We have to be consistent on that. And we have then to show how that affects life. The gospel will bring division. It can be mistaken. And I assure you 19 and 20, it guarantees persecution. We saw this just a little bit in two. They were poisoning their minds. They made an attempt in five, and here they follow through. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Now, I love this next verse. But when the disciples gathered around them, he rose up, And entered the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. No big deal. (laughs) He just gets stoned, get up, make no fuss, and carry on. I I like how Luke just moves the story along because it's a point for us. We, too, should understand persecution's coming. Paul says it like this in 2 Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live godly, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, your persecution and my persecution probably, I don't want to misspeak, probably won't be stoning, but you may be slandered, you may be mocked. The gospel guarantees persecution, so let's speak it expectantly, knowing that when you do so, there again, like I said last week, sometimes there's low-hanging fruit, and you just love that, but most of the time, you will face opposition. Welcome to Eagle Bible Church. We're glad you're here. Our membership classes start next week. I'm just kidding. The gospel will bring division. You're seeing it happen in America. It can be mistaken. People can, can misquote it. And God love them, those who think because you believe in Jesus, you should be blessed with rings bigger than that and cars bigger than that. They are mistaken. They are wrong. They've looked at one facet of the diamond and they've made a caricature of it and they've missed these other facets that make it beautiful. With this gospel in 21 and 22, we must strengthen the next generation. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra into Iconium into Antioch key phrase in 22 strengthening the souls of the disciples they were that word they preached to the unbelievers is the same word they would preach to the believers so that their souls were strong so that they would be encouraged to continue to faith how by saying it's through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of god make no mistake about it it is not come to jesus and your life is is perfect and never again will you face any pain. And if you're in here today and you're less than 21, brothers and sisters, young people, you're going to face it. They're not going to like you. You're going to speak a message and they're going to say, nah, you're crazy. I'm just letting you know this now so that when it does happen, you would be encouraged. And if you need a, somewhere to go, you come here. You come to me, you come to Jim, you come to Ben, you come to anybody here. We will comfort you and strengthen you, but understand, you will face tribulation. And I'm I'm like one of those parents now. I'm sure my mother did it too. Woo! The world and it's changing. Wow. And I think this verse twenty-two is going to get worse. That's why we have to disciple. You know what happens when you don't disciple Judges 10? And all that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And literally, if you go on to the next verse, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. It would be like Brian and Clyde and Mike and Jim and all these guys who've raised kids and they're on and moved. They're like, you know what? I'm done. Serve my time. I'm going to go fishing go mountain biking, we'll leave it to the, you know, to everybody else. But there would arise a generation that does not know the truth. And if the truth isn't presented and given continually and purposefully, there will arise a generation that does not know the Lord. And so knowing that we need to strengthen the generation, we don't only just speak boldly and continually, we don't just speak uh, broad, or not broadly, but but expectantly, we speak it purposefully. We take people through the scriptures and say, this is how it applies to you. It is amazing. Even when you're going through the scriptures, the the more you go through it, the more you see. Just this last Tuesday, I shared with something with the men on Tuesdays in 1 in Kings 19. Elijah flees because he hears Jezebel's after him and he gets fed and taken care of. And in this, in this one verse, something jumped off the page the angel said to Elijah arise and eat for the journey is too great for you and it just hit the, the journey's too great for me the journey's too great for you and we need we are dependent on a sovereign God to who will send people with the good news of Jesus Christ to strengthen our souls and encourage us to continue not just to enter but to continue and you see this in verse 23. Now this gets, you know, very businesslike. And they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting and committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. I just want to break this down. They appointed elders, plural. This is not a pastor-led church. There's not just one elder. There's a plurality of elders. It's so nice. God's so sovereign. I didn't plan Acts 14 and appointing Ben today, but my wife was reading this morning. She's like, oh, you're appointing Ben some more. I was like, yeah, isn't that fun? They appointed elders. Now watch this, Ben. Watch this, Jim. Watch this, Judd, for them. The elders, according to Paul in Ephesians 4, God has given apostles, apostles, and teachers, God has given pastor and elder all the same in the New Testament. Another sermon for another day. But he's given elders for them. We're, we, he's given us so that we can shepherd them. We're, we're to shepherd you. Pastors for them. It's not about Ben, you know, Ben's more elder. He doesn't do that. He sees that he even when we were talking through all this, he said, man, I don't take this lightly. This is a huge responsibility. It is to be an overseer of souls because you're now a servant of the body elders for them. And notice this in every church, as first Peter would say, shepherd the flock among you there. There's a flock here. So I'm not an elder in the Veiled church. I'm an elder here. I don't fly to California where my brother is. I'm not an elder at the Well, have their own elders elders for them in every church it seems to me then where they were at there was more than one church local churches in every church there wasn't just one big church there were local churches and they did it with prayer and fasting there's that idea of fasting again seems to be a theme in acts and just came across my Feedly this week, Fasting for Beginners, there's copies of this out on the front table. We need to know how to do this, and we must partake in it. It's assumed that we will do it. And when they did that, they committed them to the Lord whom they have believed. There, There's sometimes, I don't see it here, but I do see it around. There's this there's spirit in the air of just kind of less structure, more fluid uh church organization, and you see it here, there was well-organized religion of pastors and elders working together for the common good, and it's a good thing to be involved in a local church that has structure and organization. I just thought back over the years of the churches that I attended, and I'm thankful for those boring people, right, who, who just stayed the course, and they stayed faithful, and they had a statement of faith, they had a they had values and vision, and they had structure, and this is how they went. Because that leads me to the next idea that we must commit this next generation through the, to the gospel through discipleship and leadership. Every one of us should be in some sort of discipleship relationship. You're either being poured into or you're pouring into. Often it's both at the same time, and every one of us, men, it is a noble desire to be a leader. But we don't just build a holy huddle, 24 through 26, the gospel that will bring division, that may be mistaken, that guarantees persecution, that strengthens the next generation, that is flourishes in organization. It actually goes on mission. That is why I was excited when he came to me a couple months back and he said, hey, we want to do this. And I said, that gets me excited. I'm excited when I say, hey, we really need to shore up this ministry at Eagle Bible Church. We're good at the teaching, no doubt about it, not necessarily from the pulpit. I'm just talking about we've got people over our high school. We've got people over our middle school. We've got a slew, an army over our youth in Sunday school. So we, as Bible churches do, we're feeding, but we need to be going. And so it excites me when somebody sends me an email and they say, hey, we want to do local missions. I said, what time do you want to meet? I'll buy extra large, three shots of coffee, whatever you want. (laughs) And you notice here, Paul, look, they passed through Pisidia, came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down. It's just Luke just brings it. Oh, right. One over the top. And if you see my slide up there, you see all the cities just in this one chapter that he went to. Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Pisidia and Pamphylia are actually regions. Perga, Attilia, and Antioch. You can see it here better with this map. Paul, he he leaves Antioch having been confirmed through the Holy Spirit in prayer. And people said, we want to send you out. He wasn't a rogue, uh, lone ranger. Rambo for Jesus, he went and went to Salamis and then Pathos up to Perga, and you can just trace it. And the red is his journey out. And the other line is his journey back in. The gospel goes on mission. And so knowing it goes on mission, we must speak it broadly everywhere we go. We must be ready for it. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience. All of us. That's not just for pastors. And finally, 27 and 28, not only does it bring division and can be mistaken, guarantees persecution. And after all of this, I love how this chapter ends. It ends with two of my favorite concepts, the glory of God and the good of his people. When they arrived and gathered the church together, I love what it says here in 27. They patted themselves on the back at how really good they were. Is that, oh, I must be reading something else. They declared all that God had done with them. And so they gave honor and glory how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. It wasn't, you should have seen my apologetic skill here. It is God did something great and i love 28 they remained no little time with the disciples the apostles loved god's people brothers and sisters do you love being around god's people because this is who you're going to be spending eternity with We're, we're practicing for it right here it blows me away the many people i meet out there yeah i'm a believer i just don't go to church Seems like where I read in the Bible that they love being with the disciples. Uh, I read about it this week. Former pastor on the West Coast, through whatever happened, won't go into details, but he resigned his post as a pastor. And for a while they were doing church at their home. And you know who was who was just adamant about it? It was their kids. The kids wanted to go to church. No greater joy. I'm at home. Well, When are we going, Daddy? Can we go at 730? It's reboot, dude. (laughs) I want to go at 730. That is awesome. Because they want to be here. Because this is a part of their life. They like being here. Do you like being here? God is the one who made it happen. He is the hero of this chapter. He's the hero of the New Testament. He's the hero of the whole Bible. And so we, we must speak this boldly. We must not be afraid. And I assure you, I, I often joke with the young guys who are getting ready to teach or go teach somewhere. I was like, don't set the faith back 50 years. It's because that's what my pastor told me. But I assure you, young whippersnappers, you won't set the faith back. Speak it boldly. And we must speak it continually. It's not just something that we do. You know, I shared the gospel once this year, check. It's all the time. And it must be consistent. What Heath says, what Jim says, what my wife says, they should all match up. And it must be clear. It must not just be one facet. You will spend eternity with Jesus. There'll be no more pain, no more tears. Amen to that. And we must preach that. And through many trials and tribulations, you must enter the kingdom of heaven and we must speak it expectantly knowing that not everybody's going to agree with it i i'm please pray for me i'm going this wednesday to sit at a little table with the microphone right here on the radio 97.7 zephyr and i'm going to speak it expectantly i, I i'm praying god does some great things but if not i i just expect opposition i i i would would i i wouldn't retire but Like right there on the microphone. Well, that's the clearest presentation of the gospel I've ever seen. I'm repenting of my sins. That would be awesome. But probably not. And so we speak it expectantly. We speak it purposefully. We want to teach. Here's how men, here's how to lead according to the scripture. Women, here's how to be helpers according to the scripture. And we would say, right, women, it is not a bad thing to be a helper because we could go to Psalm 55 where it says, God is my Helper, same word. So we teach young children, this is how you walk in the faith. We teach it purposefully. We speak it purposely. And we speak it broadly. We, we speak it in Eagle, in Gypsum, in the Valley. We speak it when, when our students go to campuses, UNC and over in the front range. When they go to China, when they go to India, we speak it broadly. We're not a holy huddle. And we speak it reverently. We talk about what God has done. God did this. God did that. God be glorified. We commit the next generation to the gospel through discipleship. It's the passing on of the faith and leadership. That's the organizing of the faith. I started with with a diamond. I'll end with one. If you ever watch TV, and those of you that don't, good for you. Uh, You may have seen the commercial where you see people just in normal, doing normal activities. And then all of a sudden you see this person with a diamond and they look over and they say, he went to Jared. He went to Jared. May people say when they hear us speak the gospel from our lips. They know Jesus. They know Jesus.